was awesome. <laughs> Lindsay, thank you for that. Uh, what an awesome message already this morning. God's love never fails. It never runs out. It never gives up on me, on you, on anybody else in this room today. His love is unending, and it never fails. Welcome this morning. We're so glad you're here. As you can tell, it's a special Sunday. As Mikey already mentioned, we've, we've got a little extra stuff on the stage this morning. The decorations are made, the preparations have been put in place, and today we kick off our vacation Bible school. You've seen the church, you've gone through the halls. We have an exciting opportunity here today and this week to reach out to the kids in our community, to minister to the kids in our own church and their friends and their families, and I invite you to come back tonight. Invite all those that you know. It's going to be an awesome experience. You know, for the last couple of weeks now, we've talked about what's next. We talked about how there are times in our life when we come to a crossroads where we have to make a decision. We can't go forward anymore. We have to choose to either go to the left or to the right. And that decision is difficult for us sometimes because sometimes that decision comes in the midst of a failure. Last week, we looked at the worst day in Peter's life. We looked at the day that he denied Jesus three times in that courtyard when Jesus was being put on trial. And not only did he deny knowing Jesus, but he even went so far as to call down curses on himself and say, if I'm lying, then send me to hell. And we talked about how sin has that effect in our lives. It blinds us to the truth. It makes us unaware of what we're doing and we have to end up covering it up over and over and over again. And that wasn't the way. Then we have a failure in our life. What we have to do is we have to own up to our failure. We have to face it. We have to repent of it and return to the Lord. And we have to look Jesus in the eye. And we talked about that look that Jesus gave Peter in the courtyard. When he said that last denial and the rooster crowed, Peter and Jesus' eyes met. But the look that Jesus gave was not one of judgment or condemnation. It was not one of disappointment or anger. But it was one of compassion and hope. That it was the same look that he gave Peter the very day that he met him. And so the truth that we, that we ended on last week that we're going to pick up on today is that our failures do not change the way Jesus looks at us. Because Jesus gives us a second chance. So today what we're looking at is, what do you do when you're given a second chance? How many of us have ever had a time where we said, I wish I had a do-over? I wish I could do that again. I remember one time I was interviewing for a job, and I had one of those phone interviews where I just blew it. I, I knew I did. I, I wasn't sure of myself. I didn't answer the questions the right way. And I thought, there's no way I'm ever going to hear back from this employer. But lo and behold, about a week later, I got a call back for a face-to-face -face interview. So you know what I did? I prepared. I got myself ready. I looked at my experience, and I prepared myself for that meeting. I wasn't going to make the same mistakes that I made before because I didn't want to waste my second chance. Say, so for many of us, when we come to this opportunity to follow Christ, it's an unknown road that we're blazing. 
And that can be scary. On Friday, we took uh, my son up to Louisville to spend some time with some, some family with his grandparents. And on the way back, we were on the interstate. And if you've ever driven in Louisville, Friday rush hour, it's not the most fun place to drive. And there was a wreck or there was something and, and the traffic was backed up. Well, I have my GPS on, and you know how the GPS sometimes will say, we found a faster route. Get off at this exit. It'll save you 15 minutes in your drive. Well, the first time it said it, I thought, I'm okay. 15 minutes, that's not that bad. I don't know where it's going to take me. A lot of times the GPS, it doesn't know where it's going. It's going to take me some crazy route. And I wasn't sure where where we were in town. I had never really driven to that part of town before. Well, then I got into the traffic jam. And I got to where we weren't moving at all. And so that GPS chimed in again and said, I found a faster route for you. Get off at this next exit. It'll save you 15 minutes. You know what? This time I did it. I took that unknown path and it ended up getting us around the traffic jam and back on the interstate where we needed to be. I don't know if it saved us 15 minutes, but it definitely was better than being stuck out there, not moving at all. And so for us this morning... I just want to encourage you that you've got an opportunity. You have an opportunity to respond to the second chance that Christ has given you. Whether that be in your faith or in your life or in your relationships, God's given you another opportunity today to respond to him. And that path that he leads you on might be one where you're not comfortable, where you're uncertain where it's leading, but it's the path that he's calling you to. Today we're going to look at Peter again. Last week we looked at the worst day in Peter's life. This week we're going to look at how he responds. Remember what we talked about last week. It's not what happens, but how we respond that makes the difference. Yeah, I failed. But what am I going to do about it now? Yeah, you've been given this opportunity. But if you don't take the opportunity, then what good is it? It's not about what happens. It's about how we respond. So how did Peter respond to Jesus? We're going to pick up reading in John chapter 21. It'll be on the screen. You can follow along in your Bible. We're going to read in verse 3. John chapter 21 verse 3 says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. How many of you have ever seen like an old TV show or maybe you've been like in a, in a real you know, country part of, of the country where they put up a sign that says gone fishing? Anybody ever seen that? Gone fishing. What does that mean? So well, we're not working right now. We're, we're gone fishing. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with going fishing. We all need a break sometimes. We all need a time to relax, and fishing can be one of the most relaxing things. I know if you follow Mikey on Facebook, I'm not going to steal your thunder here, but he posted some pictures of him fishing this week that he was on vacation. You should go check him out. In a couple weeks, when we're on vacation, I hope to do a little fishing too. You know, it's okay to take a time of relaxation, to restore, to recuperate, to recharge your batteries. But I think... (laughs) (laughs) I think where it gets to be a problem is when that becomes to be the norm for us. When we've gone fishing from our life of responsibility, when we've gone fishing from our faith 
You see, there's an epidemic going on in churches where people have put their faith aside, they've put their responsibility aside, and they've become pew sitters. Or even worse than that, in the last few years, there's been a phrase that's been coined. We talk about reaching out to people with the gospel. We always talk about reaching out to the unchurched people. These are people that haven't been in church, that maybe have never heard the the gospel message. But in the last few years, there's been a new phrase coined, and it's the de-churched. say, well, what is that? Well, a de-churched is someone who has experience in church. Maybe they grew up in church, but when they went off to college, maybe they, they left their faith. Or maybe they were a part of a church for a while and they just got burned out. They, they were doing too much. They were, they were running on fumes and they just said, I, 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 need, I need a break. I need to sleep in on Sunday. I need, to, I need to relax. I need to rest. Maybe it's that you've been hurt in a church. Some of the deepest hurts that happen can happen in a church. And so you've taken a step back. You've quit coming to church, or maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you're kind of in one of the, the phases of de-churched. You're still here. You're still committed to being here. But you don't really want to get involved. You think, maybe I've already done my time. It's time for someone else to step up and do something. Have you taken a break from your faith? Have you gone fishing from your responsibility? Friends, we can't do that. And so when Peter says, I'm going fishing, I think there's something deeper to look here. It's not just that he needs a break and he needs a vacation. You see, Peter was a fisherman. Peter went back to what he knew. See, at this point, Jesus has already risen from the dead. He's already seen him twice. And as far as Peter's concerned, maybe that's all there is to it. When he was in the garden in Gethsemane, when he was trying to fight for Jesus... He was pretty sure of himself then. He said, I'll never abandon you. I'll never deny you. I'll never betray you. I will die for you. But yet Jesus told him in the garden, no, that's not what my kingdom's about. And Peter didn't know what was left. So he ran away. And he followed a little bit behind him when he went to the trials. But he still was scared. He was unsure of himself. And so he denied him three times when he was confronted. And he went through this this horrible failure. But now Jesus is risen from the dead. And and the future is unknown. And he's not really sure what he's going to do next. So he goes back to what he knows. He goes back to his old way of life. He goes fishing. But something subtle happens when Peter and the disciples go fishing. If you look at the last verse we read, it said that Jesus was standing out on the shore. But the disciples didn't recognize him. See, when you take a break from your faith, when you take a break from your responsibility, from being active and plugged in and serving and following Jesus, you become numb to his presence in your life. You get to where you can no longer see Jesus anymore. And it becomes harder and harder to hear His voice. Are you there this morning? Are you able to see where God's leading you? Or do you feel like he's been silent? So Jesus calls out to him from the shore. He says in verse 5, 
Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net to the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Now, if you're one of the disciples, there is something very familiar about this exchange here. If you remember, this is exactly where they were when Jesus first called them. They were out fishing. They were not catching anything. Jesus called out to them, said, cast your nets on the other side. And the fish were so plentiful, they could not haul it in that the nets were breaking. And so the disciples, I think they're having a little bit of a deja vu moment here. Oh, wait a minute. We've done this before. And see, Jesus begins their restoration by going back to the beginning. Going back to the place where he first called them to follow. And so maybe for you, if you're unable to hear Jesus and to recognize his presence in your life, maybe you need to go back to the beginning. You need to remember what it was like when you first put your faith in him. When you first were baptized. And then you might be able to recognize him again. Jesus calls them his friends. That's so important. Think about where Jesus is. He's on the shore. The disciples have left him. They've gone back to their old way of life. They don't recognize him. They all left him in the garden. They weren't there when he was crucified. And they abandoned him and they doubted even when he first appeared. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing. They didn't understand what his kingdom was all about. But yet... In the midst of all that betrayal, Jesus still calls out to them and calls them his friends. And they begin to listen to Jesus. And when they do, things start to make sense again. And they realize what's happening. Pick up verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John. He has a way of calling himself that. It's his book. He can call himself that. The disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and then he jumped into the water. I love Peter. I love his enthusiasm. All the other disciples, they they, they stay on the boat. They follow in, towing towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. And then they landed, and they had a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Peter, he jumps out of the boat, swims 100 yards to the shore, because he realizes now, That Jesus is there. So when we start to listen to Jesus, when we start to obey his words, we hear him more. We see his presence in our life again. On the one minute, Peter is running away. Now on the next, he's running toward. I love his enthusiasm. He's got a second chance. He wasn't going to stay in the boat any longer. And so here's what happens. When we're given a second chance, we've got two options. Option number one is to do what Peter did in the first time, just to give up. To give up, to go back to the way things were, to say there's no more future for me. I'm just going to go back to what I know, my old way of life. Or we can step up. Peter, again, is the only one that jumped out of that boat. And he swam to the shore because he wanted to be with Jesus. Now, don't miss this. What did he find when he swam to that shore? Breakfast. Jesus had prepared a meal for them. And what's interesting about this, this is the only place in the Bible where Jesus actually cooked a meal for someone. Now, sure, he was invited to many dinner parties. He was the guest in many, many home. 
He ate meals with lots of people. When, when he fed the 5,000, he took the lunch that the little boy brought and he broke the bread and he, he divided the fish and he fed the 5,000. But this is the only instance where we actually see Jesus cooking a meal for someone. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I want you to imagine what a good meal smells like. Take a minute. Think about what a good meal smells like. For me, it's fried chicken. Homemade mashed potatoes. Homemade mac and cheese. Green beans. Corn on the cob. Fresh baked rolls. That was Sunday dinner at my Mamaw Parker's house. Man, I love that. I loved walking into her house and smelling all the smells. What does it smell like to you? You know what it's also to me? Fresh baked homemade chocolate chip cookies. Last night my wife was doing that. She baked some cookies for the VBS kickoff. And I must say, I had to try one. Make sure they were good. And they were. So she's going to have some cookies for some of the kids here tonight. I don't think they're going to last long. But the smells that fill the house. Now that you're hungry, (laughs) I want you to think about the time when you were the one preparing the meal. Why did you do it? Why did you spend that time in your kitchen, over the stove, in front of the oven? Why did you clean your house? Why did you prepare your meal for the guests that were coming over? I bet it was because you cared about them. I bet it was because you wanted to serve them. I bet it's because you didn't want them to worry about anything. They were your guest. And you were taking care of them. Jesus, cook some breakfast. And before we even get to the famous exchange of Peter, do you love me? Jesus has reached out to Peter in a very tangible, real way. By showing that he loves him and he cares for him enough to cook him a meal. Now Peter's ready to be restored. Skip down a little bit to verse 15, John chapter 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Why did Jesus ask Peter three times? Well, I think the obvious answer is because Peter denied him three times. See, Jesus was showing Peter that, yeah, you messed up big time. You failed. But I'm not done with you. Look, you still love me. You still have faith. Now I've still got a job for you. Go and feed my sheep. 
Don't let your failure stop you. It's not a dead-end road. It was just a detour. It was something you had to go through in order to get ready for what's coming next. But why do you think Peter was hurt by this question? Have you ever been asked a question you really didn't want to answer? Maybe you were at the doctor's office and the doctor came up to you and said, have you been watching what you eat? And you kind of say, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, I watch what I eat. And under your breath, you kind of say, as it goes into my mouth. But then you've gained six pounds and your blood pressure is high. The evidence is to the contrary. See, there's something here that we miss if we just have a casual reading of the text. And maybe you've heard this before. It's pretty familiar uh, way to, to, to teach this passage of scripture, but Jesus uses a word for love in the Greek. It's this word agape. And the word agape means an unconditional, sacrificial kind of love. And he says, so Peter, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter responds with a different word for love. He says, phileo, which means brotherly love or a friendship kind of a love. That's why we have the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So Jesus says, do you love me unconditionally? And Jesus said, or Peter says, I love you like a friend. And so the second time Jesus asks him again, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter says, I love you like a friend. And the third time Jesus says, Peter, do you even love me like a friend? Ouch. Peter's cut. To the heart with that question because he knows it gets to the root of the issue see at this point peter still needed to learn unconditional love he wasn't to the point where he could say it and he had to be honest with jesus because jesus knows everything right but don't miss this jesus isn't telling peter all right get to where you can love me the right way and then follow me he says no I'm coming to you where you're at right now, today, and go follow me. Go feed my lambs. Go do what I've called you to do. You see, so many of us, we get stuck on the road where we can't make a decision to go to the left or the right because we think we're just not ready. I'm not good enough. I've got too much baggage. God can't use me yet. I have to get myself right before I can volunteer. I've got to get myself right before I can talk to someone. I've got to know more about the Bible. I've got to memorize more scripture. I've got to do this and that. And we have this checklist of reasons why we're not good enough. And we can't follow Jesus. And all Jesus is saying is right here today, follow me. I'll take care of that. But today you need to respond. I'm giving you a second chance. I'm giving you an opportunity. Don't waste it. Don't wait to some other day in the future when things will be perfect because things will never be perfect. You need to follow him today. And whatever it is he's called you to do, if it's to put your faith in him, if it's to repent of a sin, if it's to forgive someone, if it's to be baptized, if it's to get plugged into a church, if it's to reach out and witness to your neighbors, whatever it is to do, don't ignore the Holy Spirit's prompting on your life. Because he's prepared you for whatever it is he's calling you to today. So don't waste your opportunity. 
Jesus meets Peter right where he is. There's a verse in Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 22 through 24. It says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies are new every morning. They never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. God's mercies are new every morning. He gives you that restart, that reset every single day. If you're here today and you're breathing, which I think is most of us, you've got an opportunity. His mercies are new for you today. Our failures cannot outweigh God's mercy. Don't miss that. You're not too far gone. It's not too late. You're not too old. You're not too young. You haven't messed up too much. His mercies are new every morning. His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me, on you, on anybody else. You have an opportunity. Jesus tells Peter that he still has work to do to glorify God. Skip down John chapter 21, verse 18. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. But then he said, follow me. I kind of wish Jesus was a little bit more positive (laughs) as I'm reading this text. And I'm sure Peter did too. He says, you're going to have trouble in your life down the road. I'm just telling you now. You're going to go to places you don't want to go. Things are going to happen to you that you don't want to have happen to you. You're going to face more trials and more difficulties. But you know what? That's how you're going to glorify God. So follow me. The very last words we have recorded that Jesus specifically says to Peter are the very same words he said when he first called him. Follow me. Jesus gives him a reset. He's going back to the beginning. Remember your calling. Follow me. Now he's ready. He went through that trial. He responded to Christ. Jesus has restored him, and now he's ready. You remember when Peter thought he was ready, but he really wasn't? In the upper room, right before the Last Supper, in John chapter 13, he asked Jesus, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now. But you will follow later. Well, guess what? It's later. He went through that trial. It prepared him for the ministry that was ahead. And see, our trials, our sufferings, our failures, our mess-ups, our baggage, our history, our past, it all prepares us for our ministry. In just a few short weeks, Peter is going to be getting up and proclaiming the gospel message for the very first time on on the day of Pentecost. 
In just a few short years, he's going to be opening the door to the Gentile people to preach the very first gospel message, the very first message of good news to people that have never heard it before. How did Peter go from this, this lovable oaf of a guy who gets out of the boat and walks on water one minute and then has fear and doubts and sinks below the next to this pillar, this cornerstone, this rock in the church? It's because he was given a second chance. And he didn't waste it. He took advantage of the opportunity that Christ gave him. So our trials prepare us for ministry and we get to see how Peter's faith changed through his life. You might say, well, how will you look at the book of Acts and you see all the different things Peter did? But I think it's most evident in his writing. Flip over to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. Peter writes, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show you that your faith is genuine. How do you think he learned that lesson? Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter experienced it firsthand. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than gold. Though your faith is far more precious than gold, so when your faith remains strong through its many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Christ Jesus is revealed to the whole world. Does this sound like the same Peter that ran away in the garden? Does this sound like the same Peter who called down curses on himself and said, No, I don't know you, Lord. I don't know Jesus. He learned that it helped shape his faith. And so what's important for us to remember today is that when we're given a second chance, they teach us, they motivate us to love unconditionally. Continuing in 1 Peter 1 verse 8, you love him even though you've never seen him. You want to guess what Greek word for love is in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8? agape it's that unconditional love peter didn't know it on the seashore yet he was learning it but jesus went to him right where he was and he said i'm not done with you i still have a mission for you i still want you to follow me and through the course of his faith journey he learned to love unconditionally says you love even though you haven't seen him and though you do not see him now you trust him you rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy, for the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. So how do you get to love Jesus? We've never seen him. It's because of his faithfulness. It's because of the second chances that he gives us, that we respond to out of faith. That's how we get to know Jesus but you might say, you know what, God's given me second chances before, and I still mess up. Hey, guilty. Guilty is charged. He's given me like a thousand second chances. There's no way that I, he'll give me another one. I just want to ask you this morning, what's the limit of his mercy? What's the limit of God's forgiveness? 
Is there any sin that he can't forgive? Bible only mentions one, and that's totally rejecting him. So if you're here and you're not totally rejecting Jesus and you're coming to him in faith and you're asking for forgiveness, then the Bible promises you, you will be forgiven. His mercies are new every morning. There is no sin that his mercy cannot cover. So you're given an opportunity today. You're given a chance. A second chance. But you know what? God doesn't just give second chances. He gives third, fourth, fifth. He gives thousands of chances every single day to make the right choice and to follow him. And the only time when that chance will run out is either on the day that Christ returns or in the day you go to see him in heaven. And you stand before him and God says, well, what did you do with that chance? Or what did you do with that opportunity? Or where were you then when I gave you that chance again? See, that's the only time when you won't get a second chance. But today, you've got one. So the question is, when you get to heaven, when you stand before God, what do you want your legacy to be? Do you want to have a legacy of continually messing up and doubting yourself and never taking the opportunities that God gave you? Or do you want to leave a legacy of faith? You know, I've talked with so many of you, and we talk about the uh, faithful people in our church that have gone on to heaven. And we talk about how they were faithful and the things that they did in this church. Don't you want that to be your legacy? Or do you want your legacy to be one of someone who just sat on a pew? Someone who never took advantage of the opportunities that God gave them. Who kept messing up and never repented of that sin. Who had so much potential that was unmet. What do you want your legacy to be? I'll close with a quote. Lewis Carroll the author of the Alice in Wonderland stories. He said, In the end, we only regret the chances that we didn't take, the relationships we were afraid to have, and the decisions that we waited too long to make. Don't have any regrets this morning. If you have a decision to make for the Lord, the opportunity is here. If you have a decision to make to fix a relationship, to repent of a sin, to get right with the Lord again. Don't waste it. You only regret the relationships and the opportunities that you missed out on. We're going to offer a time of invitation this morning. If you have a decision to make for the Lord, if you're in need of prayer this morning, if you have a question that you need answered, don't wait any longer. The opportunity is there. Would you stand? as we sing.